Hey, this is Brian Alvarez, and this is today's edition of the Wrestling Observer Daily Podcast on the 8-Side Network. Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's get it on! How's it going, everybody? Brian Alvarez here on Wrestling Observer Live. We are here every day, Monday through Friday, noon Pacific, 3 Eastern, Sunday, 3 Pacific, 6 Eastern. And, of course, Sundays with Jim Valley at 10 Pacific, 1 Eastern, but Saturdays. Sundays are Andrew Zarian. Hey, we got a lot to get into here today, not the least of which is the passing of the Iron Sheik. And normally Mike Sempervivi joins us for the show, but he has the day off today. And joining us will be Lance Storm, who has met the Iron Sheik. He's going to talk to us about the Sheik. We'll tell you about his career and plenty more. It is also Wednesday on this show, so you know what that means. Last night was NXT. We'll do the NXT report later on here today. We've got the lineup for AEW tonight. Six segments have now been announced for the show, including another TBS championship match as Chris Statlander will be facing Anna Jay. It's going to be the full lineup for the show coming up tonight. And yes, another major announcement from Tony Khan which I believe is five weeks in a row we've had a major announcement from Tony Khan. We've also got the Raw ratings from Monday night with no NBA playoff competition. And uh, there is a lot of competition tonight for Dynamite. So when that number comes in tomorrow, do not be expecting some gigantic number for Dynamite because it ain't going to happen. We've also got the Strong Independence Day lineup. This is the New Japan Strong Show, which is taking place in Japan on independence day and uh well on july 4th and 5th and we have also got a couple of aw wrestlers who are going to be working on that show we have also got an update on two of the nil athletes who were all over nxt yesterday they clearly want to get those two signed and uh nxt notes as noted and everything else if you want to text us you have questions for lance 425-780-7566 that is 425-780-7566. Brian at WrestlingObserver.com. At Brian Alvarez on Twitter. Back in a moment. Observer Live. Back in the show, Brian Alvarez here. Wrestling Observer Live. Mike Sempervivi, also of WrestlingObserver.com. Hossein... Kazro Viziri, better known to wrestling fans, the Iron Sheik, passed away 81 years old. His official Twitter account revealed the news on Wednesday. It says, remembering the Iron Sheik today, we gather with heavy hearts to bid farewell to a true legend, force of nature, iconic figure, who left an incredible mark on the world of pro wrestling. It is with great sadness we share the news of the passing of the Iron Sheik, but we also take solace in knowing that he departed this world peacefully, leaving behind a legacy. That will endure for generations to come. Beyond the wrestling persona, the world knew so well. The Iron Sheik was a devoted family man, cherished the love and support of his wife of 47 years. Carol stood by his side through thick and thin, offering unwavering encouragement throughout his life. Their bond was an anchor, providing him with the strength to face the challenges life presented. His children, Tanya, Nikki, Marissa, his son-in-law, Eddie, he was not just a wrestling icon. He was a loving and dedicated father instilled in them the values of perseverance, determination, the importance of following their dreams. 
Aaron Sheik's guidance and unwavering belief in their potential served as a driving force for his children, empowering them to become better visions of themselves. And they've got a bunch of notes here on his, his career. Of course, he ended the 1,470-day reign of Bob Backlund, beat him for the belt December 26, 1983, which was, of course, uh, to set up the win by Hulk Hogan. 28 days later, as Hogan won the title, kicked off Hulkamania. He had a WWF Tag Team title run, the first WrestleMania. He had that biography, The Sheik. Uh, of course, like 15 years ago or so, he did that podcast, which uh, literally, I mean, after that podcast came out where he just was ranting and raving, I mean, he got like a probably a straight decade of bookings off that podcast. And, uh, yeah, I remember just very quickly, you know, I, I started watching wrestling uh, regularly in like 88, 89. And so, you know, I had not, I did not see a lot of the Iron Sheik. You know, he would make appearances here and there. And then he had that, uh, they had the famous, I think it was the 2000 or 2001 WrestleMania when they had the Legends Battle Royal. 17. 17. And they, of course, they, they announced all of these legends. And uh, I predicted that the Legends Battle Royal would be won by the Iron Sheik. Because so did my wife. I saw the list of all of the legends, and I was like, there's one guy who they ain't going to be able to get over that top rope, and that's the Iron Sheik. And in fact, that is exactly what happened. And it's really amazing when you think about all of the the issues, uh, the substance abuse issues and everything else that the Iron Sheik had, and the fact that, you know, it was like 25 years ago. It was like, this guy ain't going to be able to get out of a, a, a battle royal. And then, you know... He just continued on, and he lived through 2023, 81 years old. I mean, it's it's really incredible when you think about it. And uh, anyway, the point of when I first saw The Sheik was, years later I went back and I was watching, uh, somebody had sent a tape or something, and it was a tape from Portland Wrestling. And uh, this would have been from uh, probably the late 70s, early 80s. And uh, the Iron Sheik was in this match. And the heat for this match was, like, impossible. And the Iron Sheik was so lean and so mobile. And I just watched this guy and I went, my God, look at this guy. When he was young, he was absolutely incredible. And, of course, you know, a lot of amateur wrestling and a lot of pro wrestling and a lot of living in the 80s and 90s. I mean, it takes a toll on a guy. But, like, if if your first memories of the Iron Sheik were, like, that battle royal where they couldn't even get the guy out of the ring, you got to go back and watch some some vintage, as Michael Cole would say, vintage Iron Sheik because uh, he was an incredible, incredible athlete. But Lance is joining us here today on the show. And, Lance, you uh, you've met the Iron Sheik? Yeah, memories. but, but I, I want to mention the, there was a documentary, I think it was out on iTunes originally. 2014, the documentary came out. And it's phenomenal. And when you realize all the things this man did, you know, being a bodyguard for the Shah of Iran, you know, competing for the Iranian Olympic team uh, in amateur wrestling, it's like he was, he was a badass dude. 
And and, and really, especially when he had hair, you know, as a young man, a real handsome man at that. Um, but yeah, I, I, like you, first saw him in wrestling when he was tagging with uh, Sheik. Uh, sorry, tagging with Volkov, Sheik and Volkov, managed by Slick. Um, that was sort of my first experience him as a fan, but I met him at a local show here, uh, just an independent PWA show, and I chatted with him for a while. He was, I think he was in a wheelchair, but he could still stand and walk, just not a lot, because the photo I have of him were standing. But um, yeah, I remember him showing me his knee. He'd pull his pant leg up, and sitting in the chair with his knee bent at 90 degrees, he could grab his calf and basically just move his whole bottom leg forward like an inch or more. And it's just like, what? Oh, yeah, like it almost like it wasn't attached and just the muscles were holding it. He could slide the bottom part of his leg forward like his knee was he, not Like his, his shin, his, his tibia? Yeah, his fibula. Shin, the lower half of his leg at the 90 degrees could just, like you're pulling the leg out from underneath the table. It was weird. God. But, um, yeah, the... The, the you mentioned the the seventeen battle royal. My wife had the same logic, but I checked uh, with someone this morning, and unfo it's unfortunate. But I guess that was his penultimate match. He had one other independent match, a handicap match, where he probably didn't do anything um, after that. But it's a shame his final pro wrestling match wasn't a win at WrestleMania seventeen. Well, for all of us that don't know about that match, that was his final match. Was a win. At WrestleMania 17, and uh, I was I was alerted uh, by somebody that you know shortly after that interview came out with the Iron Sheik, which was full of stuff that we cannot say here on the show. We uh, we had his uh, his his manager Dan Marotti on Figure Four Daily. So if you're a subscriber, it's in the archives right now. And uh, uh, DJ has found the exact date. It is March 27, 2006. So if you uh, go into our archives, uh, it's Figure Four Daily, March 7, 2006. And he writes here, one of the funniest things I have ever heard. I only very vaguely remember this, this interview, but uh, you can go back and check it out right now. And uh, for those asking, I just want to throw this out there since people have asked. If you go into our website and you go into the, uh, the podcast archive, people are like, well, how do I find what I want? Well, there's a list of all of the shows, and at the very bottom, the last thing on the list is Podcast Archive. And if you click that, you can actually be taken to archive.f4wonline.com, and it is it is searchable. So uh, you can go down here, 2000, actually, first you go to uh, Figure Four Daily, and then you hit uh, 2006, and then you hit the month, and it's very easy to find. So March 27, 2006. Dan Marotti talking about the iron. Is there sheet. still a link anywhere to all of the song drops you used to play on the show? I don't that uh, featured have them, the no. Iron Sheik. Yeah, the, I won't mention the drop used in it, but his version of the Monster Mash is one of my favorites. Yeah, it's. And I have that somewhere. It involves we play words it. we can't use on this show. Yeah, times but... have changed in the last twenty years. I don't know if you're aware of that or not, everybody. Yes. But uh, many chic drops from from the old shows were were highlights of mine, and I used to um, his run on the Howard Stern show was also during the the only time that I was actually a Stern listener. I had Sirius Radio for a while, so I used to listen to Chic on Howard Stern a lot, and those drops always brought me joy. So uh, respect the legend, uh, R.I.P. the Iron Chic.
Cameraman Zoom. Back in a moment with more Observer Live. In the show, Brian Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer Alive. Um, no Mike Sempervivi here today. Upgrade. I can get him back at uh, some point here. He'll be back tomorrow. I gave him the day off. Because next Wednesday, I'm not going to be here. So I'm giving him this Wednesday off. So just so you all know, I'm going to be at uh, Field Day. That's what I'm doing next week with the youngster. Remember Field Day? No. You don't remember field day? No. You know the term, have a field day, right? No. Well, what Maybe they do is they, they have a field day on the field. There's like a bunch of games and all sorts of stuff. So I'm going to have a field day at field day. Tonight is Dynamite. And yes, for the fifth straight week, we have a major announcement by Tony Khan. And I think that's going to continue all the way to Collision. Oh, I think he's going to just announce something new for the show every single week. But the lineup for the show has Orange Cassidy Swerve Strickland for the AW International title. Will there be a title change tonight? Huh? Yes. You think that's, so? That's my guess, yes. All right. Lance is predicting yes. I'm thinking easy 50-50. Maybe more. We have the Blackpool Combat Club, Moxley, Claudio, and Wheeler against Trent, Rocky Romero, and Chuck Taylor. We have Chris Statlander defending the TBS title against Anna Jay. That title will not be changed. We have Jay White versus Ricky Starks with Juice Robinson and FTR banned from ringside. We have Jack Perry and Hook versus Preston Vance and Drillistico in a Texas Tornado match. And a promo from MJF. That's a lineup for the show coming up here tonight. And it's going to face some stiff competition. Unlike Raw Monday, which had no NBA playoff competition, first world title match on Raw in almost two years. It did a 1.83 million and a 0.56 in 18 to 49. Was that the first title defense of this title? Yeah. First title defense of any title. In two no, years I mean, of this specific title, has Seth defended it before? Well, no, he just won it. Okay. He won it, and he had a tag match last week. So this would be the first one. They beat the Las Vegas Golden Knights versus Florida Panthers Stanley Cup playoff game on TNT for first place. Although the game did much, much higher in total viewership and, uh, and 18 to 49, but it was aired on TNT, TBS, and True TV. So with a uh, 0.54, they were second place for the night. But they did 1.68 million viewers. Beat everything on English and Spanish TV. First for the night on all of television. So uh, there you go. The first hour, uh, 1.83 million. The second hour, 1.90 million. And the third hour was 1.76 million. So the third hour was the lowest, but usually that third hour is a pretty substantial fall. So a 1.76 in the third hour is is very good. 
and meant that people wanted to see the title defended, even though uh, Damian Priest lost last week. So that's the raw numbers. We also had the uh, Independence Day lineup, which, as I noted on the Filthy Tom show, yes, the New Japan Strong Independence Day show is airing on Independence Day, U.S. Independence Day. The show is taking place in Japan, July 4th and 5th. But the reason it's called Independence Day is because Getter really likes that movie, Independence Day. I'm not making that up. True story. So in honor of Will Smith, is he going to go slap somebody? He might. He might. We have got uh, three, two matches announced. So for the July 4th show, we have got uh, TJP and Francesco Akira versus Clark Connors and Dan Maloney, who is not the manager of the Iron Sheik. And that is uh, for the IWGP Junior Tag Titles. And we also have Kenta facing Eddie Kingston. So Eddie Kingston is coming in not only for that show, but also for the G1. So we've got uh, we've got that. I think there was another one announced as well, uh, but I can't find it here. But I guess I'll find it here at some point. Right? Sure. Exactly. I got faith in you, Brian. I think they added a... Uh, what's the match they added? They added something with uh, Moxley, right? Anybody got that in front of them? I got so much news, I don't even know what to do with myself. <laughs> we had a... Uh, an interview with Tony Khan in Sports Illustrated, and he was asked about CM Punk, and he said, We have not seen CM Punk in a long time, since All Out last September. He looked great in his last match. To the fans, he's very important. He's very important to the company, too. He's been a big draw for us historically throughout his career, and the launch of the new show happens to line up with the schedule of his rehab of his triceps surgery. He said, We have an amazing opportunity with AEW on Saturday nights on TNT, June 17th was the brainchild of David Zaslav, who is the Warner Brothers Discovery CEO and president. He asked about more AEW, specifically Saturday nights on TNT. When it was pitched to us by TNT, I was so excited. It's so exciting, the timing of Punk's return and how it corresponds with the launch of Collision. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how it does in terms of business. Right now, the uh, Collision lineups, the Collision... Uh, Ticket sales numbers, they're not through the roof. The uh, United Center is uh, is doing pretty well. Not as well, obviously, as the first time. But uh, some of those other collision shows on the tour, uh, yeah. It's interesting because they're doing, um, obviously, the collision show, which is the finals of the Owen Hart tournament here in Calgary. And when they announced the Calgary date, when it was just a house show, there was a lot of press. Like, the major news stations in town were covering it in their sports section. I saw two or three news bits on it. I haven't seen a thing since they've announced it as a TV taping. Well, uh, let's see. We've got uh, Collision in Regina on July 8th. Uh, They have got 1,300 tickets sold for that show. We have got Collision in Calgary, uh, which is at 3,400. That's for the Saddledome show on July 15th. We have got uh, Collision in Newark on July 22nd, which is at 4,000. And uh, see if we've got any. These are all from WrestleTix. We've got uh, Toronto on June 24th, 
They're at uh, 1,800 tickets. Wow. And keep in mind, it's like Forbidden Door. They've got Forbidden Door, which is like it's sold out instantly. But then Collision, 1,800 at this point. And then if we can find the... uh, Let's see if we've got... I got a bunch of pre-sale codes here. Because I know Dave mentioned about running in Saskatchewan in the summer, and I assume he's right, but I know when I was in WB, they only ran Saskatchewan and Saskatoon in, like, February when there was ice in the rinks and uh, Saskatchewan-tonians, if that's the word, were looking for a place to get inside and have some entertainment because the weather was so damn cold. Because I... uh, it's really cold in uh, Saskatchewan in the winter, but we always went there when it, when it was cold. All right, so the latest on the United Center. Uh, we haven't had an update since June 4th, so it's been... Uh, uh, we still have three days of ticket sales, but as of June 4th, they were at 8,000, which means that uh, since the announcement of CM Punk actually being on the show, they sold 994 tickets. So they're currently at 8,000. They've got uh, 2,200 left. They're currently set up for 10,214. Obviously, if they start really selling tickets, they can uh, open it up to uh, probably more. But looking like it'll probably finish around, um, I don't know, 9,000? We'll see. So those are the numbers for So that approximately show. a 10% bump with the ad of CN Punk? A little more than that? Yep. T added uh, 10% after the announcement last week. We had a couple of NXT notes. We'll do the report here in a moment. But Haley and Hannah Cavender, who are NIL athletes, they actually appeared on the show yesterday. Thea Hale won a number one contender's battle royal. A large Chase U contingent entered the ring to celebrate. And uh, both of the twins were in the ring holding Hale up on their shoulders. Uh, They have not signed with WWE yet. And we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. But... I mean, obviously, WWE wants them. And, you know, there are a lot of things going on. In, the, in ter- Basically, you know, they make a lot of money. And uh, these WWE NXT deals are not for a lot of money. And so, you know, it's like, I mean, what are you going to pay them? I mean, you're not going to pay them a million dollars each to go to NXT. It's just not going to happen. Are they? Are they willing to go to NXT for... You know, probably five figures a year at the beginning with the idea that they'll end up on the main roster at some point and uh, and make a lot more than that. I don't know. Um, Exceptions are always made in WWE, though. They are, but that's a lot of money, dude. They make a lot of money. Yeah, a were, lot of money. They were paying Brackus two hundred and fifty grand a year to be in Memphis back in the day. Yeah, but still. So they can I mean, pay these women if they really want them. I, I am pretty sure that if they are paid anything less than a million dollars a year, they're going to be making a pay cut. And there's two of them. So I don't think they're going to be, you know. Well, if they allow them to keep their sponsorship deals. Yeah, yeah. I guess we shall see. Plus, you know, it'll also depend on what other options they have uh, other than what they're doing right now. So they were there. I mean, they want them on TV. I mean, I would bet you anything that if they sign them – uh tomorrow they would be all over the show next week they wouldn't be wrestling obviously but i mean there are things that you can do with them as far as like putting him in with a unit or i mean they held up thea hale for crying out loud they could put him with chase you and just have him on the show every week but not working but uh, they were there and uh, we'll talk more about nxt after the break observer live
Back in the show, Brian Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer Live. Lance Storm joining us here today. You know what else makes a great Father's Day gift besides steak? Why a cameo? You can get a cameo from me for your father. That's right. Just go to Cameo, F4W Online. Or, you know, just type in Brian Alvarez. I'm right at the top of those that list when you type in Brian. But uh, I will I will give you your money's worth for a Father's Day gift for the your favorite father in your life. Don't have to be your own father. It could be someone else's father. You'd even get a cameo of Brian eating steak. Tie them both together. Yeah, you know, you could pay me to cut a promo on Marco Stunt's father. And, man, I could go on for hours on that guy. Man, oh, man. But anyway, check it out at Brian Alvarez on Twitter. Hey, this guy goes, Brian, trying to ruin families. No, you guys, I, I don't just bury people on my cameos. If you want if you want a pep talk, if you want me to put somebody over, you don't think I can put somebody over? Of course I can. I've done it all on Cameo. So you just tell me what you want me to do. Now, I presume you did not watch NXT, Lance. You presume correctly. Well, you know, you, you, you half missed out. So the show opened up with Baron Corbin coming down to the ring. And he cut that old man yelling at the clouds promo. These young guys in the locker room, they're not hungry. They're mad they're not called up. What do you want out of them? To be begging to stay in NXT? They're living in a house I built. And he says, it's all it's all lies in the hands of Carmelo Hayes, your champion. And who should come out to face him but Ilya Dragunov. And Ilya got in the ring. And they bantered back and forth. And it looks like, uh, well, it says they're going to have a, you know what? What happened here? I just watched this show. And did I get something wrong here? It's probable. Yeah. So my notes have them agreeing to a match tonight. But uh, that match didn't happen. Am I wrong? Did I somehow fast-forward through an entire... There's no way. Okay. This person says you're correct to be confused. Okay, I got it. So Elia challenged him, and apparently Baron Corbin refused to accept it tonight or something like that. But they had a brawl. They were uh, they were left, uh, you know, trick, uh, attack Corbin, clothesline him over the top. So uh, so that's what happened. Yeah, it was Corbin versus Trick. Okay, so at some point they're going to do Elia Dragunov against Baron Corbin. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that match. It'll be around the same time. What's oh, Braun Whack Elia. I got it. I did see that happen. Okay, now let me start over again. This is a really easy-to-follow show. So Elia wants Corbin. Elia got laid out by Braun. So Corbin then beat up or got beat up by Trick and then beat Trick later. And now Braun also wants Elia, but Elia wants... Got it, everybody? So we got a lot of matches coming up here. And you know what match I'm looking forward to is Braun Breaker versus Ilya Dragunov. That'll be a good match. So then Thea limped out of training with Charlie Dempsey. She vows she's going to win this battle royal tonight. That's where Braun Breaker laid out Ilya Dragunov. And then we had Creed's and Ivy Nile against the Schism. And uh, and Ava. Ava is the daughter of The Rock. And I don't like saying anything bad about anybody. But I have to review wrestling. I'm sure Ava is a really nice lady. But man, she is 
Oh, my goodness. She is absolutely not ready in any way to be wrestling on television. And uh, they kept her out of the ring. And the creeds and the schism. And Ivy, by the way. They had Ivy in there doing spots with the guys. But they, they kept her away. Everyone, they kept everyone away from Ava. At one point, Ivy got in the ring and she, like, challenged Ava. And then they went to commercial. And when they came back, Ava was not in the ring. And then, you know, everyone's doing their spots. And the guys do all their stuff. And, and finally, everyone's down. All the guys are down. And it is time for Ivy and Ava to get into the ring. And they were in there for about 30 seconds. I mean, Ava can't do anything. And then finally she put on a face mask and she headbutted uh, Ivy and got the pin. Well, you do remember that uh, Rocky Maivia wasn't exactly a hit right out of the gate either. He wasn't a hit as a character. But he was a guy who, on his first day in developmental, everybody was like, this guy's going to be... Not based off his wrestling. Dude, his... At that point. Well, no, but he wasn't bad. I mean, he, he still could, like, do stuff. I mean, you got to watch his match, dude, if you're trying to compare it to The Rock. I mean, well, I'm... there's no comparison here. I mean, she's the, by miles, greenest person on all of NXT. So... It's got... It's, and again, some people thrive at it, but it's... And you've done it, but I've done it. It's like I was at least in the generation where the first dozen or 50 matches of mine were on shows that no one saw, so nobody got to see how horrible I was in match two, three, four, and five, where so many now train in an empty building and then their first match is on television. Ugh. Yeah, not good. Stax met with Tony D in the clink. And, uh,. You know, we we talk about these NXT characters and how they're they're so campy and corny and and they're people playing a character. Did we get a nails cameo? No, but he, but uh, Tony did note that Knuckles was in there with him. Oh. And Stax almost ratted Knuckles out, but they're they're doing the thing where they're both on the phone with the glass wall, and they keep having to tell you, "Would you be quiet?" Like, is it fabulous Frankie Knuckles? A bit of a throwback for could have been. Video? They just said Knuckles. Could be any Knuckles. So now they're trying to figure out. Who ratted me out? Because, again, uh, this Tony D is a babyface, criminal, murderer, okay? But, you know, the heels are bad because they told on him. So they're trying to find out who the rat is. So uh, they said it could have been anybody. And Tony said, listen, Stax, trust your gut. Of course it's Gallus. Whatever whatever they did that last week, forget about it. You're the underboss. You figured out. But this one-on-three thing isn't going to work. So it sounds like they're going to, you know, old Stax is going to have to get a partner until old Tony D gets out of the clink. We had a segment with Von Wagner and Mr. Stone, the therapist. And they do this flashback deal. This is apparently like the third therapist they've been to in this one day. And they've got flashbacks to all of the other failures with the other therapists just not working out. And then, you know, they're sitting there and Von's like, dude, come on. I mean, this isn't going to work. And all of a sudden the door opens and this this tall man with a bad haircut and he's you know how they usually have the security guys he comes out and he's oh, he's crying and Vaughn looks at this guy coming out of the office crying and he goes i ain't doing this i'm out of here this is ridiculous and all of a sudden the therapist walks out and you know this is where this is going right lance mm-hmm. hot blonde Vaughn, like huh maybe i will give this a shot and he starts to walk into the room and mr stone's gonna go with him and Vaughn says no no stay here 
I got this. And he 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 winks. And they, they did everything but put like a, an animated star next to his eye. But when he winks, it goes, bling. And he walks <laughs> in the room. And uh, they're trying everything they can to get a personality out of Von Wagner. We had Blair Davenport killing Danny Palmer. So uh, that'll teach Danny. Dana Brooke then showed up. Dodging the draft. Yeah. Well, you know, I think she's a free agent, too. I think she was drafted to Raw. Was she? Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, she shows up, and she said there was, she heard there was a battle royal tonight. And this is another one. God bless her. I mean, she's been in WWE for so long that she is incapable of talking like a normal human being. <laughs> she says, I heard that if anyone is going to face Tiffany tonight, it is going to be me. I've heard there are a lot of opportunities in NXT, but I am here to make my own opportunities. And off she goes. I was like, man. The funny thing is, like, you know, they have a way they want you to talk, and she's, like, doing it perfectly. But people who actually do it the way she does, they never get a push. They never get an opportunity. She signed with WWE 10 years ago in July. 10 years ago. Yeah. Wow. Tiffany did a promo. So if you recall, her promo last week was an absolute disaster. They did it live. And uh, this one was pre-taped. And this one was better. She had more life and personality. And she said she'd made the belt the most desirable of all of them in WWE. No one was happy that she won, including Mackenzie. And Mackenzie goes, who do you think might win? And she goes, maybe Lyra Valkyra. But the result would be the same as at Battleground. It was better. We had Baron Corbin and Trick Williams. And uh, this is exactly what we talked about a million times. Guys like Trick need to be in the ring with a guy like a Baron. But ideally, it would be on the old coconut loop with nobody watching on national television. I mean, Baron did the best job that he could. Trick is still really green. I mean, it was fine. Uh, you know, it's like he's throwing these punches at Baron Corbin. And every punch he throws, Baron Corbin goes like this because he don't want to get hit. <laughs> and then finally, uh, Corbin hits the end of days and pins him. And... Uh, not exactly compelling television, but this is what you need if you're going to get these guys to learn how to work. But yeah, you're so right. Corbin's phenomenal on host shows. It'd be great if they had a a 10-day loop of host shows where these guys could work. We had uh, hard-hitting truths with Dragon Lee and Nathan Frazier. And uh, they're trying to get uh, Dragon Lee to get a personality. And to be honest, I mean, I've been watching Dragon Lee for years. This is the most personality I've ever seen out of the guy over the last couple of weeks. And he's not going to make it in WWE without a personality. So uh, this was a good segment. And Nathan Frazier is awesome at everything he does. We had Ali backstage. And he's a free agent, can go wherever he wants. He wants to be champion. Wesley shows up. And Wesley just offers to do the title shot. The same guy that got mad that his best friend wanted a title shot. He's offering this to anybody. And Ali goes, listen, I, I don't want to just be given a title shot. I want to earn it. So he goes out to face Joe Gacy. And he beats him, 450, clean in the middle. And afterwards, the schism tries to stomp down Ali, but Wesley and Tyler Bate run down to make the save. We had a bunch of interviews. Uh, Edris Anofe and Malik Blade have agreed to fight each other next week because they've learned that all of the teams that fought each other are actually closer. And so now they're going to try it themselves. We had an interview with Noam Dar and his wacky crew, which I like because it's four just wacky people and it 
prevents Lash Legend from have to having, having to have matches. It prevents Miss Jackson from having to have matches. But they're all on TV getting a chance to do something. And uh, With Norm Dorr? Yeah, Norm Dorr. Got Oro Mensa on a house show, and now Oro owes him. That's the storyline. Damon Kemp and Eddie Thorpe. Uh, no one cared about the match. And uh, Eddie won, but Damon's foot was on the ropes. Ref didn't see it. So it looks like they're going to be doing another rematch. And then, you know, we had a bunch of interviews and Dabakato versus Scripps. This was the stupidest. I mean, God. So Dabakato's in there, and he's just killing Scripps. So then Axiom runs out to try to help Scripps, but Dabakato kills him too. Then, as he's killing him, Reggie does a flip off his trampoline into the ring. They never show you the trampoline, by the way. They want you to think this guy can, like, fly. And uh, and he uh, rolls up Dabakato and pins him. He pins Dabakato. And then Dabakato stands up, and he absolutely destroys both of the baby faces single-handedly. So nobody gets like, over. Nobody benefited. Everybody looked worse after this than when it started. Well, that sucked. Joe Gacy segment, and then, God, there's so many segments. There's like 28 segments on this show. And then, as noted, Thea Hale won the Battle Royal, so she's going to get a title shot. And then uh, the show ended with Braun Breaker challenging Seth Rollins to come to NXT and defend the world title. So it looks like we're going to get that match. Back in a moment with more Observer Live. Well, Lance had a great idea during the break, didn't you, Lance? Well, it was certainly an idea, yeah. If you yes. wanted to create some buzz and make some waves, have Seth Rollins drop the title to Braun Breaker on NXT and call uh, Braun Breaker as champion up to Raw. Give uh, NXT a big boost, create some buzz, and make Braun Breaker. Not the worst idea I've ever heard, because Braun ain't doing nothing else right now. I mean... Can also do the deal where he calls a guy out, but the guy doesn't show up, so he shows up on Raw and beats him there in an open challenge. So uh, a lot of things he can do. I don't think they're taking that title off Seth imminently, yeah, unless the whole idea was we're gonna we're gonna make you think that Seth is our guy and it's a setup guy for Braun Breaker. But I don't think that's likely. To, I don't think Seth coincidentally is the Iron Sheik here. I think it's most likely going to be a champion for a little while, but. I think that'd be a pretty big thing to have uh, the NXT main event be for the world title with Seth Rollins. That would do a big number, that one right there. You know, next week on the Lance Show, which is normally Tuesdays at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern, we got to talk Dark Side of the Ring, Lance. Don't let me forget. Yes, I will remind you because there was a uh, lot of stories that I told about Chris Candido on the show that are on the interview that didn't make the show, including I will share the story that broke me at the end. But it didn't air on the show? Um, they didn't tell the story on the show. They just showed me trying to tell it and the emotional breakdown involved in. I see. Yes, I've not seen that one yet. But, uh, yeah, I heard uh, the Dark Side of the Ring about Magnum TA yesterday was also excellent. Last night's airing of the Magnum TA story was one of the better from this series, says Steven. So if you didn't check that out, check that one out. And uh, Dave and I back tonight, Wrestling Observer Radio. Mike will be back tomorrow. And uh, a lot to get into. So check it out, WrestlingObserver.com. Thanks, Lance, as always. Callers and listeners, up to the studio. We'll talk to you next time, Wrestling Observer Live. Adios.
You have been listening to the Wrestling Observer Daily Podcast on the 8Side Network.